0: All right, well, we're going to get ready and transition here. Uh, We're going to be in Colossians chapter two. If you remember, we've started this series last week called The Supreme Life. And it builds. And if you missed last week, that's totally fine. I encourage you to to go back to that. The first one was Believe. It's based on chapter one of Colossians. And surprise, surprise, today, the second week, it's going to be based on chapter two of Colossians. Now I tell you, we wrap up next week and you get a two for one. It's chapter three and four uh, for next week. And then there you go. you got something that you could read during the week. But I, w- I want to encourage you, if you didn't watch or listen to that, you missed it uh, for whatever reason, go back and listen to that. We began with this thought of belief. Can we contend for the faith? Can, can we not only to ourselves, but to others create uh, compelling cases for why we believe first Peter tells us that we're supposed to be ready to give an account and explain to people and answer to people why we believe what we believe if they were to ask and so I just i you know we were digging through chapter one looking at what the text says to us the one of the, the the primary conclusion is that Christ is supreme and I tried to lay out my uh, attempt of, of apologetic arguments at that on why I believe Christ is supreme and why I believe the Bible is, is the infallible Word of God, why there is accuracy, authority, historicity verified. I believe that the Bible is, in fact, the Word of God. Therefore, it says Jesus is God. I walked you through that last week. Today, though, today, and I already told you last week what the title would be because I wanted to see, you know, maybe... If you would get nervous and skip the second week, uh, I'm just facetious like that. But today is beware. Now, that sounds kind of like, uh-oh. This is going to be like one of those uh, Pollyanna uh, Pollyanna sermons, if you've ever seen that show or movie. At the beginning, the pastor's preaching, and he's just like, brimstone, fire, agony, hell. It's all terrible, and everybody leaves church all depressed. Um, This isn't one of those, all right? But I do feel the Spirit has been trying to get my attention, didn't even know it would fall for today, and I'll get to some of my stories in a minute, but even with last night, last night was just a drama-filled night, and I'll tell you some of that, but it's like God was saying, look, I need your attention, beware, and we're going to look in chapter 2 and say, well, okay, God, what are you trying to do? So let me fill you in real quick on where we've been, Colossians, this is a, a letter to the church in Colossae from the Apostle Paul. Okay, his contemporary, his, his uh, colleague in the faith, Epiphras, started this church. Paul has never been there yet. Epiphras comes to Paul and says, hey, there's a lot of competing beliefs. People are, are hearing a lot of things that are not true. And I just, I would need help. Can we? Can you send some instruction back to the church? Kind of help us to iron this, this out so we don't get caught up into believing things that really aren't true and we shouldn't. So the Apostle Paul writes this letter to Colossae. We read the first chapter or parts of it last week. Today, we're going to jump into the second chapter. And here's the thing. We're going to look at the text and we're going to we're going to try to understand what is being said in the moment. It's being said to the church in Colossae. But then we're also going to ask, would the spirit speak to us? What does this mean to me today? 2024. OK. I want you to remember this before we get to reading. The Apostle Paul is not physically with them. He's sending a letter. It's going to be important here in a minute. All right, I trust you're at chapter 2 by now of Colossians. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. If you can and you're able, uh, would you stand to your feet in reverence to God's word? Let's read this and we're going to pray. And I want everybody digging in, praying with me that God would speak to us. It wouldn't be Pastor Shane. It would be the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning. Let's read uh, chapter two, verse one. It says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this, so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now... Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. This is where we'll end it. Verse seven, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this opportunity that we have uh, not only to just worship you together, Uh, But Lord, to hear your word, to hear your spirit speak to us through the text, through this letter that was written to the church in Colossae thousands of years ago, God, we can look back on it today and you can speak to us as well. God, I thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us, each and every person here, help us in our minds and our thoughts, our spirits, God, that we would be receptive to you. We would hear you. We'd put aside distractions and hindrances, God, and we'd lean into what you're saying to each of us in our own context, our own lives, God, because that's what this is. This is an applicable word for each of us. You speak to us. God, I just pray you'd move in a mighty way today. We just believe this in the name of Jesus. And if you agree, just say amen. You could be seated. All right, we're going to dig into this. I'm pumped. It's called the Supreme Life Series. I, I went over this uh, last week. Jesus has the Supreme Life. That was the primary definition of supreme. It's authority. He has all authority, period. Second definition, the lesser one, is that it, it has quality or excellence and that's where I jump in and I say okay Jesus I want I want that kind of supreme life for me you have all authority God would you help me to operate in excellence in my life to follow your word like you instructed instruct me to and we just read chapter two the beginning of it the apostle Paul's not there he's he's like I wish I could help you if I was there I'd take care of all the stuff that you're hearing i would talk to everybody. We'd have a meeting. I'd handle the arguments for you. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not. So what does he say in verse seven? This is where we're going to get going to start us off. He says, let your roots grow down into him. Man, this this is going to be very important. So the other day, uh, Brother Vern helped me out, and I thank, thank him so much for helping me with the uh, trees in the back here. We're making room um, for the turkey shoot in the fall. And wouldn't you know it had several trees that we needed to take out? They were in the way. we're kind of pushing back the line. We, you'll notice it's a little messy, but we're not done. But we made a lot, of, a lot, a lot of room, but it required some trees coming out. Well, check this out. There was one tree that had really, really shallow roots. And I couldn't believe how shallow because all he had to do with the skid steer was just push it right over. And I know that because I show up and I mean, I showed up I thought was on time. The tree was already over. He just pushed it over. The roots are all out. I'm like, he, he must have like bumped that on the way getting it off the trailer. I don't know. It could not have taken much effort. And then there was a second tree, though, kind of tucked in the corner. And uh, and yeah, Pastor Don was here, he knows, like, it, that took a minute. That had some long roots. Like, it didn't look necessarily like a huge tree, but man, the roots were long and thick. And, you know, he's digging all around the tree, hooking up a chain, pulling it. I mean, just like, it took a minute to get it. And then there's a couple of trees that we never even had in our sights to mess with, didn't touch, didn't even talk about. You know, we got these two giant trees that are always dropping limbs every time it just barely tr- sprinkles. Okay, we don't even think about that. Why? That tree, those two trees are humongous. Those roots must be huge, must be deep. We don't need it's like not even a thought in our mind that, oh, we're going to pull this tree out. We're going to, you know, chop it down and then just pull it up. No. And here's what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church, and here's what I believe he's speak. God is speaking to us. He's like, look, like the Apostle Paul said, I'm not there. I'm not there to handle the arguments when people say, you know, like, like the other religions that we got into last week, well, Jesus, you know, he, he's just like on your level. Like he didn't really finish the redemptive work. He's, he's like, kind of like a brother. He's not really like the Savior. Or he really was just a good guy. He's not like actually the creator of the universe. When, we he, when you hear those things, see, the Apostle Paul is like, if I was there... I just, I would have that conversation. I'd take care of it for you, but I'm not. He says, so what you have to do as a believer, let your roots grow down into him. What, is that? what does that even mean? What do I mean? I mean, are you prepared to contend for the gospel? Are you prepared to contend for what you believe? This has been something so heavy on my heart lately. I've been so convicted. God is like, look, are you prepared to handle the difficult questions? Or are you just going to chalk it up to, well, I just don't know. Like, I'm not comfortable. I'm, I'm not a mini, you know, minister. I'm not fill in the blank. I, you know, I'm not the pastor. God's like, are you prepared? Have your roots grown deep enough? Do you, have you just absolutely saturated your life and built your life on Jesus and in the word of God that you could handle these questions on your own? That's what God is looking and asking. And think about this. There's so many sensitive topics, you know, rereading the Old Testament recently, just kind of doing that with Eleni has just been so rewarding because you read about all the drama in the Old Testament. Now, I, I mean, for those that have a reading plan, let me tell you, you go through the Old Testament and, you know, when you're when you're first saved, it almost can mess you up. They're scandalous. They're shady. Like don't think I would want to be your friend but yet God blesses you and he's like you're a patriarch of the faith like man, you did what? I mean really we look at the Old Testament but but here we go. Can I explain though when someone comes to me and they say, you know you you believe the Bible? Well, I don't understand there's you know polygamy, there's incest, uh, there's slavery, there's all these things in the Old Testament then is that is that okay for today? Because I don't understand. If you believe the Bible, then then those things were okay. Then God didn't smite everybody that did those things. In fact, some of some people He even blessed that did some of those things. How are we ready to answer questions like that? That's. I mean, I know this is heavy. I promise, I'm going to encourage you, and we're going to high five before we go. I promise. I'll tell you some funny stories. Like we'll get there. But this is what I've been like. I've been smacked in the head with this. God's like, I expect you, I, I don't expect the Apostle Paul to come out of the grave, you know, write, come here, write a letter to the Rock Church of God to hand it to your friend who just asked you that question. I expect your roots to be deep enough to be able to handle those. But see, here's the problem. For, for And I'll just say myself, here's the problem. We haven't let the roots grow deep enough. How, how do I do that? Man, if you don't have a daily reading plan, get one. Don't feel don't don't need, you don't need to feel bad now, you know? Get one. Figure it out. If you if you're not very good at reading cuz I get tired and fall asleep too, like then listen to it. Like figure it out. Get something every day. Full immersion. Get into a practice of prayer. Even I'll tell you what, if it's that hard for you to pray every day, start by just listening to someone else pray. Start there. You could get it. I mean, we are in the information age. You can get a podcast for everything and anything. You want to get a podcast for how to basket weave while on a sailboat in the Caribbean. You could find it. I'm telling you, there's a podcast out there. So if you have to start there. I just feel like God is just he has convicted me so stinking hard this week. I was getting gas uh, a couple days ago. And this gentleman brought me a gospel track. And I'm like, you know what? You're doing more than most. Like, good for you, buddy. You know, I didn't disagree with anything on his little paper. But you know what it was? It was it was just, it was a whole bunch of scriptures. And Here's where the Holy Spirit just kind of hit me, and it was heavy. I like the track. I like the fact that he's doing more than most. Most, most people won't even do that. I mean, we're strangers. But. That panders to the believer who already has the belief that the Bible is the word of God. And my spirit broke because I thought, well, what about the person who hasn't come to that conclusion yet? Am I ready for them? Man, this will blow your theology. This will blow your view of evangelism. Am am I prepared for that person? See, a list of scriptures is great for me because I know this is the word of God. It's not great for a complete uh, uh, someone who's completely foreign to the Christian faith because they, they haven't come to that conclusion. What I have to help them with is, here's why I believe the Bible is the Word of God. You I start there. But can we answer those questions? See, God's looking down. He's like, I, like the Apostle Paul says, I'm not there. So what I need you to do is you need to grow your roots deep so that when life comes, storms come, or when people ask questions, We're not like the shallow tree, the tree with shallow roots where it did not take much to push over. He said, I need you to know what you believe. I need you to be prepared. Man. And that goes even on into, can we, do we seek out biblical answers to our own questions in life? Okay, so we handle like the skeptics kind of arguments. We should be prepared. And and, and it's my goal this year to help prepare all of us to do better. But then what about just internally, just me, myself, and I? When I've got some question in life, some just thing, do I go to the Word and, and, and honestly reflect what does it tell me I have to do? And I'll give you an example here. Uh, at at, at a, a job one time, I, I had this, like, tension with one of my coworkers. I was frustrated. This individual would constantly pretend to be the supervisor. Was not. Would, would, would offload work to other people? I mean, some of you already relate. Like, man, you're, you're like, whoo, this is therapy. Like, they're, they're pretending to be a supervisor, offloading work to other people. And it, it was like, it was making me really mad. And so I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to handle this. Next time we have our team meeting, we're, I'm going to bring it up and we're going to all discuss it. And we're going to ta- squash this thing. And man, the Holy Spirit hit me. He's like, wait a minute. If you go to Matthew 18, when Jesus himself gives us the prescription for conflict resolution, that's not step number one. That's later. That's way later. Step number one is you go to that person by yourself. One on one. You be a man or woman of God. You handle it correctly. Oh, like that ain't fair, God that ain't fair. This would have been so easy. We're going to just hash this out in the team meeting. I'll get a few people on my side and we're going to just, woo, you know, majority rules. That's not fair. But here we go. If our roots are to grow deep, that's what it looks like. I have to, I have to wrestle with God and wrestle with the scripture. It's applicable to Monday morning, not just Sunday at church. It's applicable when you go to work, when you're hanging out with friends. What? I I really have to do this. I have to go back and forth and wrestle. What does the Bible say I'm supposed to do in this situation? If my roots have grown deep, if I've let them grow thick, and I've built, as the Apostle Paul says, I've built my life on Jesus, then I can do better in these circumstances. I can do right. And I don't need the Apostle Paul to hop out of the grave and write a letter to my friend. You with me? Man, this was tough going through this. This is why the title's Beware. And I'll get—I'll I'll summarize it at the end. But I'm like, "Woo, Lord help me." So again, if you don't, so how do I help you on the practical side? You got to get immersed, full immersion, right? Um, saturate yourself in what the bible says saturate yourself in praise and worship like go overboard if you have to initially to just in and inundate your mind just to flood it you got to do that and get rolling here all right let's keep looking through scripture let's see what what can we glean wisdom from this next one's heavy but i promise we're going to end on on a much lighter note but as i read through chapter 2 and i seek out what is god saying I can't help but come to this next conclusion. We're going to read verses 8 through 10. It says this, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather from Christ. Verse 9, this is important. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body awfulness so what do i need to take from this 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 is going to be a little harder to swallow this this is tough sometimes and i love how jonathan started us off brother you didn't even know man i ought to have you come up and reread it but when gideon's like god you led me here what where's all your blessings where's all you know all your mighty works like what on earth see here's the thing christ is supreme in fullness but what that really means is in my opinion God is enough by himself, period, in life. Now, see, this, this is really, this is where your roots have to be deep. Because i look at scriptures and I'll hear other, you know, prosperity preachers. And I get it. We'll go to Romans 8, 28. Most people can, can quote that. It says, all things work for the good of those who are loved and called according to his purpose. That sounds fantastic. And I hold on to that scripture. But here's the problem. It doesn't say all things are good. Everything in life is going to be rosy, perfect, sunshine, lollipops, right? He says, God will work all things for the good. I almost wonder if you fast forward a couple chapters over. Chapter 12, see if I got it here. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know this scripture that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. And what is good and acceptable and perfect? Here's the thing that I think we need to understand. I need God to transform my mind so I understand what's good. See, because what's good for me is brand new cars. Let me build a new house. Lord, let me just win the lottery without buying a ticket. Somebody just give me the ticket and I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to pay for that. I'm gonna, you know, I'm, everybody gets a car. Like, it's good. God's like, well, ho- ho- hold on a minute. See, because I'm like Gideon some days where I, I, I'm like, God, where's all your mighty works? You brought me here. I did what you said to do. And it's like God looks back at me. He said, when did I tell you everything would be perfect? I'm like, well, hang on. Romans 8, It says all things work for the good. He says, did I say all things are good? Did I say it's all good all the time? And I'm like, well, I was like, well, well wait a minute, God, like. You say that the steps of a righteous man are ordered. He's like, again, go back to Romans. Did I say it's all good? I said I'll make all things work together for the good. I'm like, well, I don't see any good. He's like, well, then how about you go to Romans 12, be conformed in your mind so you can discern what is good. I'm like, uh oh, because he said, bottom line, I'm enough, period. That is, I'm telling you, like in church circles, like, man, you could start a revival saying that. But on Monday morning, that stinks. Can I just be real and a little candid and a little rough around the edges here? Monday morning, that stinks. When you're hitting, maybe it's hell on earth for you Monday morning. Christ is supreme in fullness. He's enough. That's what he's saying here. I'm enough, period. Now, do I believe that God can change everything in a second? Yes, I do. Do I believe that he has, he has a higher way of thinking and he knows what's good and it may not make any sense to me right now? And it's not that God causes every little thing, but he does say, I'll work all things to the good. But see how we, we mess that up sometimes? Well, I, all things are good. Like you, you said, all, no, all things are not good. But I'll work them for the good. And by the way, what I say is good is so much beyond what you can comprehend right now. I mean, just you, you like Brother Jonathan said, you look back at some crazy situation you've overcome in life in that moment. And Jonathan said it perfectly. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Am I right? You're like, this is hopeless. It's over. God, just kill me now. Just take me. Spare me, God. It's like Elijah when he has his depression, little fit. He's like, just kill me. This is terrible. Right. But God is looking at us and he's saying, I promise I'm going to work it out for the good. You don't understand it. He says, and Isaiah, my ways are higher than your ways. My way, my thinking is high. He can't think like we do. My thinking is higher than you. We have to resolve in our hearts, Okay, God, you're enough. I've got to double down. Whether I look like a fool or not, double down that Jesus is enough. I don't know how on earth I'll get through this situation in life. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel some days, but Christ is supreme in fullness, meaning he's enough. God is enough. So we keep going through this. We're doing great on time. We keep going through this and I've got to see what else does chapter two tell us? What what other wisdom can I glean from chapter two? So let me start with this. I told you I had some some little jokes. Um, If I have any lawyers in the room, I'm going to apologize now. I do love you, but you're just too easy to use in jokes. So here we go. So Farmer Joe. Uh, He's in his car and he's hit by a truck and he decides his injuries from the accident were serious enough to take the trucking company that was responsible for the accident to court. And so in court, the trucking company's fancy lawyer was questioning Joe. He says, didn't you say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine, said the lawyer. Well, Joe responded, well, I'll tell you what happened. I had just loaded my favorite mule, Bessie, into the... I didn't ask for any details, the lawyer interrupted. Just answer the question. Did you not say at the scene, I'm fine? Farmer Joe said, well, I, I had just got Bessie into the trailer, and I was driving down the road. The lawyer interrupted again and said, Judge, I'm trying to establish the fact that at the scene of the accident, this man told the highway patrolman on the scene that he was just fine." Now, several weeks after the accident, he's trying to sue my client. I believe he is a fraud. Please tell him to simply answer the question. Now, see, by this time, though, the judge he's kind of fairly interested. And where is Farmer Joe trying to go with this? He he started this same routine. He said, "I'd like I'd like to hear him out. Let's see what he has to say about his mule." Okay. Well, Joe thanked the judge, and he proceeded. He said, "Well, as I was saying, I had just loaded Bessie, my favorite mule." into the trailer and was driving her down the highway when this huge semi-truck and trailer ran the stop sign and smacked my truck right in the side. I was thrown into one ditch, and Bessie was thrown into the other. I was hurting real bad, and I didn't want to move. However, I could hear old Bessie moaning and groaning. I knew she was in terrible shape by her groans. Shortly after the accident, a highway patrolman came on the scene. He could hear Bessie moaning and groaning, and so he went over After he looked at her, he took out his gun and he shot her between the eyes. Then the patrolman came across the road with his gun in his hand and looked at me. He said, your mule was in such bad shape. I had to shoot her. How are you feeling? (laughs) I'm fine. I don't know about you. I'm okay. Nothing to see here. All right. So we looked through chapter two and it's just how God works. The third point here. I need you to leave the legalism for the lawyers. This this is now this is interesting here. You know, right and wrong. Bible teaches us right and wrong. What legalism does, though, is it begins to mess with your mind and paralyze you while you're doing what you believe is right. You just get hung up on. Am I doing it? perfectly in the right time the right day the right formula all this that now I need you, we have to treat this carefully but this is important I'll give you an example Eleni and I do this daily devotion uh, every day she likes to do it first thing in the morning like my eyes aren't even open and I hear the audio playing I can't do that like I'm still trying to wake up to reality, who am I, what, what, you know, what, where am I, <laughs> you know? what's my name, uh, stuff like that. I can't do that, right? I'm more of a night owl, like when I'm like, or, or maybe like when I'm driving, like I just, my mind will space out so I can listen and really, I can think, right? Here's the deal. Legalism would be, if someone says, if you don't do your devotion at 8 a.m. in the morning, you're just doing it wrong. You're just, you don't really love God. You should be able to do it at 8 a.m. That's legalism. Now, don't, don't conflate this to something it's not. The Bible tells us what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong, and you, we can hash out sin. Sin is sin. This is not us trying to, to flirt with, oh, some sin's okay. This is Satan wants to paralyze you while you're trying to do right into this legalistic idea to where you you're like I'm trying but I I'm, I'm paralyzed. I'm trying to do right but I'm so hung up. Always did I do it at the right time? Did I, I didn't do my devotion at eight? So did I miss it? Did I fail God? And God revealed this this analogy last night. I told you it was a wild it was a wild ride, wild ride. Not just for us. Like a few teenagers flipped their car in my front yard. This is 11 p.m. Right? I thought it was like. Either old post road, the the road off the corner, or maybe this is the TV. I hear like a loud screech and like a soft thud. Like two cars didn't hit, but I heard a thud. You know, Lenny says like somebody outside and then I I immediately I'm I don't know if you're a fight or flight, like I'm fight. Like all of a sudden, my family's life is on the line. Like, I'm like, charge, there's an army outside coming to storm the house. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm just like, man, I, th- I didn't even have shoes, nothing. Thankfully, thankfully, because I just got out of the shower, thankfully I had some pants on, because that wouldn't have stopped me. I was like, what's happening? Because I don't know. I just know, like, Eleni's, Eleni's like, I could tell by her voice, like, she's, you know, scared, like, uh-oh. Like, I gotta run out there. So I run out there, and I'm like, oh my goodness. I open the door, there's a car. In my ditch, on its side, the window smashed, couple teenagers freaking out. Don't call the cops, don't you know, Don't call anybody, just help us push it, we'll take off. I'm like, buddy, it don't work like that. I'm like, this does not work like that. I'm like, first of all, is everyone okay? How many of you are there? Because I'm still like on the fence of like, is this really like, what are y'all up to? I don't need somebody to come around the corner. I don't play like that. Like, I'll take you out when it comes to my family. Like, I will love you right into heaven if necessary. I don't know. <laughs> But that's just how I'm, that's how I'm wired. I hope I don't offend anybody. That's just how, I got to protect my family. But, you know, so we go through all this and, you know, the cops come, clean it up, fire department, EMS, everybody's fine, which is like a, they're, they're, God like had his hand on them because none of them had a scratch. Like the windows were busted on the side, like the cars, I don't even know how they got out of the car so fast, like. Because they were already out of the vehicle when I opened the door. Anyway, so we go back inside. We're all trying to calm down. I got, like, adrenaline pumping, you know. This is, like, almost midnight by now. And looks at, uh, Levi looks at Eleni and I, and he said, you know, guys, if, if I got in a car accident like that when, I, when I'm a teenager, when I'm driving, like, but, like, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Like, I just lost control, and I crashed in someone else's front yard. Like, what would you do? And you can tell he's kind of like, like, uh, and I was like, son. And this is when this is like a God moment in reflecting on the the message today. I was like, what is most important to me is that you're okay. If you did something wrong, man, I'll take care of that. Like, but I need to know you're okay. Are you okay? And I feel like God is looking at us and He's like, I gotta make sure you're okay. Are your sins washed in the blood? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Okay, then let's start there. Let's not get so legalistic that now I'm paralyzed. I can't do anything because I'm so worried. Is God gonna be mad at me because I missed my 8 a.m. devotion and I did it at 8 p.m. instead? or whatever, you fill in the blank. That was just one illustration I could think of real easy for, for legalism in the church today because it will paralyze you and that's not what God wants. God is looking at you, he's like, I gotta make sure, are you okay? And by okay, are your sins covered in the blood? Let's start there. See, because what was happening in this particular time, to so fill you in the context here, in Colossae, you see, uh, because of the traditions, and what was being taught? There were certain meats that the Jews didn't eat. They're okay to eat now, right? Uh, there's all these things. And the Apostle Paul is trying to help them to understand, look, you can't get bogged down with all these legalistic things. Do you believe Jesus is the Savior, creator of the universe? Have you accepted him into your heart? Have you built your life on him? Are you okay? That's what matters. Yes, we're going we're gonna to operate in excellence in our life and do everything we can To live our life according to the gospel. Yes, hear me. Yes, we do that. But I can't get you so, I can't have you so bogged down in legalism that you're paralyzed. You can't, you don't even know how to operate because you're so bent out of shape that you've offended God over something that was legalistic, not relational. God wants a relationship. He wants, it's personal to him, just like my son. I want to know that you're okay. That's it's it's personal to God. And so when we talk about living a supreme life, we've got to reflect on these three things. And this if you could stand to your feet, that'll help me to make sure I don't start preaching next weeks. But I, I said it this way. This message was called beware. Why beware? And it's it's this Satan wants you to keep your shallow your, your roots shallow. He wants to keep you from believing Christ is worth it. When you're having a terrible day and you're like, this is not good. I don't like it. I I don't want it. Satan wants to keep you from believing that Christ is supreme in all fullness and that Christ is enough. And he also wants you to be so paralyzed and bogged down with legalism that you don't operate in the freedom that you have in Christ. See, legalism would be Like we're having service and we have an order. We begin with our call to worship song and we do our penny march and we do a couple more songs. Legalism would be like if we decided to totally just flip it. And we're like, no, that's that's just not right. You're not you're not serving God right. We decided we want to preach one Sunday to start and then go into worship. That's legalism. I need to be able to operate in the freedom of Christ. If he moves, his, his spirit's on me, then I need to stop what I'm doing and pray for somebody. I need Maybe God's like, look, I need you to just share this word first. Like, don't even play a song. I need you to share this word. Someone needs to hear it. That's the freedom of Christ we should be operating in. It might be a little outside the box of what we're comfortable with, right? But you see this. This isn't a right or wrong thing. Sin was nowhere in that equation. So hear me. God wants you to operate in that freedom in the spirit. But Satan wants you so bogged down in the legalism that you're like, I don't know what to do. That This isn't what we normally do. Uh, and you do nothing. God is saying, beware. This is a word of encouragement. I feel like, man, last night was just was confirmation because he got my attention. You know, immediately, like a few minutes after all this nonsense with the car flipping over bishop brett calls me in kenley because you know we're, we're staying here in irwin for the weekend and he's like hey shane i'm so sorry to call you this late but the fire alarm is going off in one of the dorms like it's just i'm like you gotta be kidding me like it's midnight teenagers just flipped their car in the front yard and now fire alarms are going off in kenley i'm like what And I was like, I told Bishop, I'm like, man, this car just flipped. Like, it's been a wild night. He said, well, I think God is trying to talk to us and get our attention. I'm like, yes, he is. And you know what he's saying, church? He's saying, beware. He's saying, you ought to look at these things. Look at chapter two. Reread it yourself this week. We need to build our foundation on Christ. Make your roots as deep as you can. It might feel fanatical, but go ahead. Be fanatical for a minute if you've got to. Build your life on Christ. Tell yourself He's enough. And then operate in the freedom. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, I thank You so much for Your Word.